0: This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephyr only on 101.9 High fm For all the talk about Jewish diversity and heterogeneity, I have a theory that actually there are only two types of Jews. Those who love gefilte fish and those who can't bear the very sight of it. It is the kind of food that forces you to take sides and once that bridge has been crossed, there can be no turning back. Or can there? To tell me more about gefilte fish in its broader context of Jewish Ashkenazi food, I'm delighted to now speak to Ben Kaplan, Director of Education at the Yibo Institute for Jewish Research. The Institute is offering an online free course entitled A Seat at the Table. Ben, welcome and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Trace. Thanks for having me.
0: Ashkenazi food, what is
1: it? Oh, what a question. Well, I, I'm listening to your intro about gefilte fish and not only are there people who like gefilte fish and don't like gefilte fish, but there are people who like sweet gefilte fish versus peppery gefilte fish. The debates go on and on, but, uh, Ashkenazi food is a rich tradition, uh, that has many different aspects of it. Uh, in our recent course, a seat at the table, we're diving deep to really explore the history and the culture and to teach Jewish history through our discoveries of the food. Uh so it's a it's a question that as any good Jewish question is it's a question of debate of what exactly is the nature of Ashkenazi food but it's traditionally food uh from in Eastern European origin uh Jewish Eastern European food uh that has many different um elements depending on what region you were in oftentimes you have you know food that intersects with The culture of the the landscape that you're a part of and the cultures that you're amongst. So Polish food that's Jewish is very similar to Polish food that's not Jewish, and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of diversity to explore. So
0: we live in diaspora countries. Um, To what extent is Ashkenazi, for example, American food different to Ashkenazi South African food, or is it the same?
1: I think there are a lot of commonalities. We do see a through line. So What we've done with this course that we recently launched, A Seat at the Table, is we start at the beginning. We talk about what makes Jewish food, quote unquote, Jewish food, and we talk about its origins in Jewish texts and in Jewish tradition and religion, Uh, but then we trace its development, particularly its development in Eastern Europe in the case of this class, but how that foodway then goes around the world to many different diasporas. So I I can't claim to be an expert of South African Ashkenazi Jewish food. I've had some interesting conversations about it, but if I had to guess, I would say it's a confluence of Eastern European Jewish food and South African food and how that food might adapt um, to the environment of South Africa. And you see not only how the food adapts to the environment, but how it carries with it a particular history. So uh, our class does, you know, we have a focus on, the American immigration story, but of course there are many parallels to any immigration story or any story of Ashkenazi Jewish immigrants in particular. And you see how that journey to the United States and what Jewish immigrants experience is reflected in every dish that they made, every dish that they encountered, how those dishes evolved for that particular historical pathway. And I think that's, what's so exhilarating about studying this material is that you're not just we, we do have folks cooking in the in the class you know we demonstrate cooking and anyone taking the class around the world uh, is cooking in their home kitchens as well um, but as you're cooking you're learning about the history you're looking at these uh, phenomenal archival objects from yubo's archives and you're making these connections to the past so it's 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 a it's a very intellectually enriching experience but it's also very Moving and I would say spiritually uplifting experience to see all these particular connections.
0: So YIVO is associated with the, a museum, is that correct? Have I understood that? Can you tell me a little bit about YIVO?
1: Sure, so YIVO, uh, was founded in 1925 in Vilna, which is what, in now what is now Vilnius, Lithuania. Uh, it's actually the only Jewish organization to survive the Holocaust and, uh, relocate. And in YIVO's case, it relocated to New York, um, around the time of World War II. Uh, there's a whole fascinating history about YIVO's documents and what happens during the war and smuggling documents past the Nazis. Uh, but YIVO is a library and archive. Uh, we have many different kinds of programs we offer from book talks and exhibitions to concerts to classes of all kinds. Uh, and our, our mission is really to promote and help educate the public about this uh, fascinating history and beautiful culture. Uh, but we are housed in the Center for Jewish History in New York City on 16th Street, uh, right by Union Square. And from that physical location, we're now all working remote, of course. Uh, but we have been reaching out to uh, our constituents and connecting people around the world.
0: I think why I, also why, what I was asking, is your course a seat at the table? Is it an academic course? Is it a cooking class? Is it a cultural course? W- what are you hoping to gain, Ben?
1: That's what's really exciting about this class is that it's very interactive. We looked around and we said, okay, there are history classes out there. There are food shows out there. They're all different kinds of content, but there wasn't really anything uh, that combined all of these elements to teach the history in a rigorous academic way, but also in a fun, accessible, uh, interactive format. So we took a little bit of that DNA of history class and food show and online exhibition and we kind of combined them together so that we have uh, scholars who are Jewish studies scholars, food scholars, giving short video lectures. We have cookbook authors and chefs demonstrating recipes and talking about them. Um, and we have the hundreds of archival objects from Yibo's archives that really, really tell the, the story in such a powerful way. So anyone who signs up for the class and the class is free as are all of our self-paced, self-paced online classes. Now, um, they are entering a whole world where they're watching videos. You can download free recipes and try them at home. You can look at these beautiful archival images uh, and it's a whole holistic virtual experience. It's kind of hard to, to explain until you've actually seen it. So I encourage anyone interested to, to check it out. Uh, but that, that's what we set out to do to really make a, uh, a virtual experience that would help people connect to the past and to this culture.
0: When you talk about traditional Ashkenazi food and you look at history, to what extent is our food constantly um, evolving? And I think here, for example, at shul Brukes, uh, where traditionally they might've been uh herring or I don't know, liver, whatever, whatever, to more kind of, Red velvet cake with sushi kind of thoughts.
1: I think, I think food is constantly evolving. It's, it's always changing. It's always adapting. It's always telling a story of a particular moment. And when you go back through the history and look at the ways in which those recipes changed, uh, you see all of those moments in history happening. In real time, almost, you know, you're watching, you're watching the changes. So I think it's something to, to embrace and, and to celebrate that as we discover, um, all the beautiful, delicious, uh, foods and elements of, of different cultures, we make connections and there are all kinds of, uh, cuisines that, that evolve and change. And bring in elements from different cultures. To me, that's very exciting to, to watch that sort of cosmopolitan blossoming of, of foodways around the world, especially nowadays we can go to YouTube and we can, you know, watch any video about any cuisine you could possibly imagine and try things at home. Uh, so I don't, I don't think it's, I think we can both celebrate tradition and learn from the history. There's a lot to be gained. And you see this with chefs who go back to the historical record. They look at what people were cooking and how they were cooking. 300 500 years ago and they draw inspiration from that history and the combination of that inspired historical knowledge and what they might be able to source locally wherever they are and what the tastes of the day are create these new cuisines that to me is very exciting and it's it's beautiful to watch
0: do you want to talk a little bit about Kashi chami
1: there's a there's a fascinating archival object in the course uh, which is a label for kosher chow mein uh, from the mid 20th century. And so what you see is that as Jewish immigrants are going through this process of assimilation and acculturation, they're, uh, they're influenced by American culture. And you have Chinese immigrants who have come to the United States and are bringing their food waves. Uh So this label captures this moment in time of there was so much, interest in Chinese food amongst Jewish immigrants that there was a commercially made kosher chow mein. Uh, and we can, and that's just, you know, one example of how one archival object opens up this entire historical narrative and helps people see, you know, you might not have known that there were so many uh, vibrant interactions between different immigrant foodways coming to the U.S. And it's true, of course, of, of other countries around the world.
0: Ben, is there a quintessential Ashkenazi dish?
1: That is so hard. I would say, I, th- I would say there are several. Um, you know, we think of iconic dishes like, uh, gefilte fish you mentioned, matzo ball soup, uh, kanishas, there's a very American story there as well. Um but I would say, you know, Ashkenazi food gets, gets sometimes a, a bad rap. People think, oh, it's bland, it's brown, it causes heartburn. It's not healthy for me. It's heavy. It's going to make me have indigestion. Um, but I think what one of the things we really explored in the class is that the food in its original context was deeply tied to the lands in which it existed. Um, it was seasonal. It was beautiful. It involved a lot of, a lot of healthy ways of, of eating, like f- fermentation, you know, pickles. We have, uh, the class is, is, taught in part by Jeffrey Oskowitz and Liz Alpern of the Gefilteria. Uh, and Jeffrey is uh, a pickle master and he talks about, uh, fermentation, how, how good it is for digestion and that there's a reason why you eat, uh, a pickle, you know, with a pastrami sandwich because it helps you digest it. Uh, so there, there are, uh, really, Natural and traditional ways, uh, of, of eating within the history, within the food way, um, that, that have opened up, I think for, for a lot of folks, this idea that you can be deeply connected to your sense of place and also the history. Um, and that there might, yes, there are these iconic dishes, but, um, there's, there's a diversity there that people may not realize upon first glance.
0: However, if one does the course, one will have options to learn about the different, um, the foods, the history, the recipes, et cetera. Ben, what would one do if one would like to participate or join a course?
1: So you can go to yevo.org slash food to sign up for the course. Um, we also have a number of other uh, courses in the Shine Online educational series. All of these are free. We made them free. Uh, right when the pandemic hit because we really wanted to make sure, uh, people had access to them and could enjoy and be gratified, you know, by these, um, forms of educational content. Uh, so there's a course called Discovering Ashkenaz, uh, which is a broader survey of Jewish history in Eastern Europe taught by Sam Kassa, a wonderful historian. There's a a second course, Folklore of Ashkenaz, which is on Jewish folklore in Eastern Europe, uh, that's all about, you know, demons and evil eye and uh, superstitions and things like that. Uh, and then there's a course called Oh Mama, I'm in Love, which is a global history of the Yiddish theater. And that's also team taught with different scholars, Yiddish theater actors performing, and and hundreds of archival objects from our theater collections. Uh, so you can just go to YIVO's website and register for any of those courses. They're all completely free. Um, and you can Enjoy them whenever you like. You don't have to, there's no time limit. Um, they're just available as an online resource for anyone who's interested.
0: And thank you so much for joining me. That was Ben Kaplan, who is the Director of Education at the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research. And just to remind you, the research is based in New York and is dedicated to fostering knowledge of the history and culture of East European Jewry. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly hungry after that discussion.